When I think of Simeon and Anna, I think of that poem of Robert Browning's, Grow old along with me, the best is yet to be, the last of life for which the first was made. Our times are in his hand, who saith, a whole I planned. Youth shows but half. Trust God, see all, nor be afraid. That poem reminds me of these two who have lived long and who are now discovering something remarkable and wonderful. There's an optimism in the poem about both aging and the future, and that strikes me. So I see Simeon and and Anna a little bit like the Apostle Paul now, It just so happens in this past month, I've had a number of memorial services. And one of the texts that was used just this week comes from 2 Timothy chapter 4, where Paul writes about his own impending death, and he says, The time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. And from now on, there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who've longed for his appearing. Now, here's Simeon and Anna, who have longed for his appearing, who finally, at an advanced age, have the wonder and joy of seeing the coming of the Lord. Now, there's lots going on in this text, really. These verses function to underscore that Jesus consistently from his childhood on was compliant with the will of God. His family is at the temple. They're doing what the law requires. But in addition to doing what the law requires, attending worship, going to temple, presenting the child, much like Samuel back in the Old Testament was presented, it's clear that they're doing what the law requires, that he's part of a family, and that family's norm is to worship the Lord. But in addition, the spirit is present in Simeon. So you get this law and spirit together, which will function very significantly as Luke's gospel unfolds and it moves into Acts of the Apostles, where the spirit descends upon the early church and the flames of tongues and all of that come to play. But it's present here even at the very beginning. Simeon is filled with the spirit and directed by the spirit. But there's something else that's going on in this text. There's a foreboding. This is not going to be an easy or a smooth operation. Because Jesus will bring to light for all nations the glory of the Lord, the glory of Israel. But he also will reveal the inner thoughts of many. And it will create division and divisiveness. Already the seeds of opposition are evident. One of the blessings that I have as a minister of this church is I get invited into people's lives at critical times, milestones in their lives. 
I get invited to officiate at weddings, joyous occasions where lives are coming together. I get asked to perform baptisms for new children that have entered families. I also get asked to be present when there's a horrible diagnosis and life has changed in a moment or when there's an accident or invited when there's a death in the family. And because of that, I get a perspective on life that covers the gamut of life. I get to see what it's like to grow older because people share with me what it's like to grow older. Um, I'm getting older myself. (laughs) And I'm finding that some of what they've experienced is now true in my own experience. So here you have Simeon and Anna, these two at the end of life, who are greeting one who is new to life, but whose life itself, light to all nations, has entered the world. And now at this advanced stage of life, they get to see this. In my experience, people die pretty much as they live. If you're curious about life, if you have some courage, if you have some kindness, then that's what is evident at the end of life. But if you're bitter about life, if you blame other people for what has gone wrong in your life, then that only gets accentuated as life continues and as you deal with increasing challenges in living. That's why I think character becomes so important in our lives. What's on the inside? doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter if you're in second grade listening to me now or in fourth grade or in seventh grade or a freshman in college. It doesn't matter whether you're retired, whether you're dealing with the same stuff I'm dealing with in life. Every day, we get to define our character by how we live in the world, how we treat other people. Uh, I've said before, you know, David Brooks has made this important distinction between the resume virtues and the eulogy virtues. The resume virtues are the ones we work on when we're younger, the things we, we think will qualify us to get into the college we want to go to or get the job we want, and so we list our qualifications, and we work on those virtues. But the ones that matter most in life are the ones that people talk about at the end of your life, whether you're brave and courageous and kind, whether any of the fruits of the Spirit are evident in your life, Joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, fidelity, self-control. Those are the things we're working on every day of our lives. Character. It makes a difference. Just this last week, I was in a memorial service, and I I used this little illustration. Imagine that you're at Starbucks or at your favorite coffee shop, And you've just gotten uh, your favorite cup of coffee, and you're moving from the counter to your table, and somebody bumps into you, and you spill the coffee. Now, why did you spill the coffee? Well, you might say, obviously, it's because somebody bumped into me. But that's the wrong answer. You'd spilled the coffee because it was coffee that was in your cup. If you had gotten tea, you would have spilled the tea. 
What's in your cup is what you spill. When life shakes you, and if it hasn't already, it certainly will. When life shakes you, what comes out is what's in your cup. I've had the chance to be with people at critical stages of their life when it's difficult and the, th- the kinds of things they're facing are hard. But what comes out is what's in their cup. It's their character. Recently, a few weeks ago, I was with one of the faithful members of this church, Ray Cornwell. It was my last conversation with him before his death. He knew he was dying, and he said that was a gift to, to know and to be able to say goodbye. What a gift. That's part of what came out of his cup. And then he shared with me a mantra that I think had been something that was at the core of his being for all of his life. You, you need to do the most you can for as many as you can because it's all about our relationships with other people. So do the most you can for as many as you can. And that's how he lived his life. Now, he and his wife, Jeannie, were great swing dancers. And my wife and I love to swing dance, and although we only do it at weddings because that's the only chance we get, really. But, um, and so we were talking about his funeral, and he, we were talking about the music at his funeral, And he wanted something that was jazzy kind of oriented. And I said, well, you know, we could probably do when the saints go marching in. I mean, that one's very fitting for a funeral. But I I don't think Louis Prima's jump, jive, and wail will really work in the sanctuary. And he, he laughed and he said, well, you know, that's part of who I am. Uh... My experience is people tend to end life the way they've lived life. So how we live life day in, day out is what matters. Here's Simeon and Anna who have this experience at the end of their life. And it's not so much that they have inside information, but they've been commissioned to proclaim who this child is. This one is is the light of the world. This one is destined to bring light to all the nations and glory to the people of God. But it's not going to be an easy path. And Mary's own heart will be pierced by the sorrow ahead. So the seeds of the opposition already present in his childhood John Claypool, in his little book called entitled Mending the Heart, claims that most of us grow up with this image of death that we developed in early childhood. Somewhere along the line, we experienced death in our family life, maybe a grandparent or maybe a tragedy. And uh, my daughter and her family are yesterday was at the great-grandfather's funeral yesterday. And our little four-year-old grandson and our two-year-old granddaughter is their first funeral. So somewhere in our childhood, you get exposed to death. And for most of us, I think we see it as complete annihilation and the cessation of all life. 
We don't quite know what to do with that. Claypool says children are great observers. They're careful observers of things. But they're horrible interpreters of what they observe because their experience is so limited. So they see this, and they see this grief, and, they, and somewhere along in our lives, we all went through this process, and we see death as annihilation and the cessation of life rather than a transition. So we avoid it. I know people who won't even go to the hospital for fear that death is contagious. People who won't go to memorial services because they don't want to talk about it. They just remove it from their worldview and it keeps crashing in to our experience of life. So Claypool tells the story of a man that he went to visit. And he says, um, this man has cancer and knows he's dying. And so he describes what he's experiencing. He says, you know... I've come to the conclusion that uh, there are better ways to look at death. And I, now that I'm close up to it, I see that it really is just an old stranger in new garb. Because throughout our lives, we move from a smaller world to a larger world. Think of a birth. You move from the protection of the womb where you're constantly fed and you're constantly close to your mother, and all of a sudden there's this rather difficult transition to the cold, hard world. And from the child's perspective, it's a kind of death and separation from what's been. But from another perspective, it's called birth. And you move from your family home to school. You don't know what school is when you start. It's a big place. It's a scary place. But you learn that you can survive in that place. And you move from one school to another and a larger school and yet a larger school. And then you move from home off to college somewhere and into the world. Life is constantly moving from a smaller world to a larger world. Maybe death is not unlike that. Maybe death is this transition like birth into a larger world of God's making. Here's Simeon who's saying, now you can dismiss your servant in peace. For I've seen your salvation in this one, in the Christ. Anyway, Claypool concludes by saying this. I've learned that every exit is also an entrance. Every time you go through an exit, it's an entrance into something else. You look at those exit signs above the doors that we'll walk out here shortly. Every exit is an entrance. What matters today is not how you entered into this room, but how you exit and how you enter into the rest of your life. Will you enter this day and define yourself by your character and the way in which you engage with other people? Are the threefold Christian graces of faith, hope, and love being formed in you? Because no matter what you're dealing with in life, no matter where you are, never think of any moment as your last. 
It's only the beginning of the rest of your life. So we can leave the past behind. When you exit this room today, leave behind all that stuff that we were talking about earlier, all that junk that hangs on to you, that stuff in life that trips you up. Leave it. And go through the exit and enter the rest of your life engaged in character building and allow faith, hope, and love to be formed within you. Then you, too, can say, grow old along with me. The best is yet to be. The last of life for which the first was made. Our times are in his hand, who saith, a whole I planned. Youth shows but half. Trust God. See all. Nor be afraid. Now we're going to have a little time of silence. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we thank you that you have come. You've not left us to our own devices to navigate life, but you have come in Christ to be with us, to relieve us of the burden of the past, to form within us faith, hope, and love, and to give us a future. We live in two time zones, O Lord. We live in the present with all its challenges, and we live in the future with anticipation, the same kind of anticipation that both Anna and Simeon had. So be with us and help us to enter the rest of life with new energy and new vigor, with your presence with us. By the power of your spirit, we pray. Amen.